0: This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 204. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest joining me from Austria. Her name is Andrea Luketsch. Did I say it right? And um, she is an NLP trainer, a hypnosis coach, and a psychological counselor. And she does a lot of coaching in all the areas that we love to talk about. So I'm super excited to have her on the podcast today. Welcome to the podcast, Andrea. Andrea. Thank you. Thank you for I inviting say it wrong, me. Because I have a, I have the American accent.
1: <laughs> it's it's no problem.
0: <laughs> so it's so nice to meet you. Yes, it's a pleasure being with you today. Yeah. Can you tell the listeners your story and tell me your story? I know a little bit because I researched you, but I want to hear it in
1: your words. So um, in my story, I was not always able to set uh, healthy boundaries uh, uh, to be in that way in my power. I was in another way, a lot of people pleasing and um, uh, it was uh, not the easiest way until I learned it to set it by myself and now I'm helping others to do the same.
0: Yeah. So, how did you? How did that evolve into? At one point, you
1: didn't know, and now you do. How that all? Uh, It's 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 a lot of practice. It was a lot of practice, and starting with little things, and then expanding it until it became a powerful message.
0: Yeah. So, is it? You had trouble setting boundaries when you were young or did you go to school for psychology? Like, tell me how you got into coaching people
1: and doing the um, the training that you do. Um, when I started uh, the schooling for psychological counseling, in the meantime, I found a uh, um, the arena of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, very interesting and uh, went through from the practitioner to the master until I became a trainer. And by that, uh, hypnosis uh, came into place and was very interesting to me as well. Um, so I decided to take hypnosis classes and became become a hypnosis coach as well. Uh-huh.
0: So tell me about the neuro linguistic programming, because I don't know exactly what that is. I'm interested to hear what how you how you started it and and what what exactly it entails.
1: So it's a a very powerful uh, methodology where we can transform our feelings and thoughts and our behavior and um, it's called like a short-term therapy form um, where we um, pick up the person where they are and uh, we transform it quite quickly. Have a look on which resources are lacking in a certain situation. So we anchor them in, in so the person can use it use them whenever they need the resources
0: so is the nlp i'm sorry if i don't understand this completely i didn't do a lot of research on it so i I thought you could teach me um is the nlp training and the hypnosis always combined or are they two
1: separate practices in basically, the, they are two separate practices, but um, we can combine them very good together.
0: Wow. Okay, okay. So when you take someone with an with a problem, let's say a boundary problem, can mm-hmm. you kind of talk me through how you would approach that with someone? Because we do have a lot of veterinarians out there that have trouble setting boundaries because we're very compassionate, very empathetic people. And we have a tendency to be people pleasers. Many, many of my coaching clients have that issue. And so do I. So how would you start with somebody like us that are people pleasers down this, this coaching, this training that you're that you did that you do?
1: So basically, there are three types, uh, where a person can lack in. So it's either in emotion in beliefs or in behavior. And uh, it's very individual because not everyone will be at the same stage. So we want to find out the first stage. But if they lack, um, let's say, a resource of security or um, uh, feeling comfortable or um, whatever that may be for that person, um, we can... um, find that resource within us, activate it, and future pace it. So we will transform it into a future situation, how they could act. And then we will anchor it in. So um, what this does is that our brain cannot distinguish either we are imagining something and we um, or we are doing it. So it will be something common when such a similar situation will come into uh, our life. So we will be prepared to act the way we want it.
0: Okay, so it would be similar, um, just so I'm understanding it on a basic level. We have a lot of boundary issues with clients demanding our time demanding our time when we're off work that kind of thing if we were going to set a boundary around that we would start by understanding our basic tendencies to handle that situation mm-hmm. so we have to learn about ourselves first is it is that what i'm understanding
1: yes so awareness is always very important right and uh, to be also aware in a situation uh, how our thoughts uh, uh, or what our thoughts are Mm -hmm. telling us or how we feel in a certain situation and how we behave. So uh, by being um, one's best observer, we will observe our thoughts, then we will have a look on how we are feeling in that certain situation and how we are behaving. Because if we know how we are uh, behaving usually, um, so we can then take the next step towards uh, a changed behavior or feeling or or thought
0: okay that makes a lot of sense because when i coach we talk about you know your thoughts are what causes your feelings and then your feelings kind of create your results or where you end up or your actions and so if you're a people pleaser and you think that someone's going to be angry at you because you know they want help and you want to say no that's why you get stressed out. And that's why you say yes, even when you don't want to that, that's kind of similar to what I've learned and what I teach. Correct. Yes. So is there something unique in that process that you would, um, I don't know, recommend for somebody that's in the situation, like us veterinarians often are when it's our job to help people and serve people? but we also need to somehow create boundaries to take care of our mental health?
1: Um, let's say uh, if we are overwhelmed uh, and uh, lack uh boundaries in time, um, a very good recommendation I can give is to plan your day in advance and to stick on it.
0: Mm, yeah. So how do you how do you help somebody do that? I know, I know how I work through that time planning, but do you have a recipe that you like to teach people?
1: I just have a plain, a calendar or a sheet where the dates are noted. And uh, I love priorities. So we know what it's important for the day. And we will uh, be realistic in time, uh, how long it takes and after each task, uh, it will be nice or after each hour to take a little break, even for 5-10 minutes by going uh, out into nature or just by breathing or by centering oneself, whatever method uh, runs for a person or to to come down, And then to start with the next task and to be grateful for each step we did already. Because we see oftentimes the things we haven't accomplished. But what we lack to see oftentimes is what we already have accomplished. And it's giving us a lot of power back when we uh, are grateful for it or honor it.
0: Well, yeah, I think, I think that's kind of our human nature, right, is to see the negative and not the positive. And so I think just, you know, learning that about yourself and learning that that's like a normal human thing is really helpful.
1: Yes, it is. It's very powerful. And it's giving back energy to us to have more energy for the next step. And, um, this all multitasking, doing seven uh, things at once, may sometimes be common. But if we want to be concentrated and productive, uh, maybe it's better to focus on one thing and one step at a time.
0: Right, little steps too. Sometimes just to get just to get that momentum going. Yes. Yeah. So I asked you a little bit about kind of understanding yourself. And I know that's something that you work with and talk about. So why is it so important for us to get to know ourselves? And once you answer that question, then how do you get started down that road? Because I think sometimes when you say to somebody, you got to get to know yourself, it's really kind of a nebulous thing, you know, like we don't really know what to do or where to start.
1: Mm-hmm. it's it's very hard to change something for the better if we don't know where we are and knowing ourselves will would be the part of knowing where I am right now
0: so is and, there, like is there something you have people ask themselves like how would you like let's say I came to you and I said I need to start figuring myself out because I don't know why I'm such a mess like where, where would you kind of start with that as me understanding myself and my brain?
1: Uh, so what is your goal or where would you, uh, what would you like to feel or what would you, how would you like to act
0: um, or
1: uh, something in your thinking? Mm-hmm. And start there. And starting there. And um, how to turn everything into practice is to try, and it's really not very easy at the beginning, but um, to go one step backwards in a situation and to think uh, shortly about how am I feeling? What am I thinking now? Or what's going on here? Because we humans oftentimes tend to label something um out of habit and have not a greater look on what was really said or or what really happened right mm-hmm. now to stop ourselves and just to 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 get into a little observer position and from there out um, becoming aware of what's happening
0: yeah I, I mean that makes a lot of sense to me because sometimes when something bad happens and like i'm thinking about work situations because many of the people that i that i talk to are working in a veterinary practice which is kind of high emotion and so sometimes things happen and they're very emotional and they're very highly charged or the client yells at us or something like that to step back and try to see the real situation it sounds like you're saying
1: Yes. yes and and there are things in 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 life we cannot change and which are not in in uh, our arena of responsibility and to be able to to endure that feeling for a short time because if we're present in such a feeling due to neuroscience it uh, it disappears within 90 seconds so it's not such a long time if we can hold this emotion and see where it is in my body, what's what's going on here to just stay with it and feel it.
0: Yeah, witness so, it. yeah. So it, it's kind of like if you're feeling embarrassed or sad or whatever, just identifying that feeling and then yes. being okay with feeling it for a short period of time, and then it will start to dissipate.
1: Because there's no one uh, responsible for our feelings, uh, but we ourselves, and we can't take. Fair, does it? <laughs> yes, and we can take uh, the responsibility back to us, and and uh, make the best out of it. Yeah,
0: it, I think that's a. It's a really fascinating thing that that we do is we want to blame the world for the way we're feeling. And that was one of the main reasons I got into life coaching is when I discovered that oh that's totally not true it's it's all true that we have control over all of it it's just such a fascinating concept and even though it doesn't feel real I I love teaching somebody that they can control all of that and uh, it takes time like it's not a it's not a snap your fingers kind of thing and we all have to keep working on it right
1: yes it's not something we learned when we were children and should go right you should teach we should teach
0: kids this (laughs) (laughs) yeah so talk to me I know you talk to people about um, the inner critic which I kind of call our primitive brain I call it my chihuahua brain because it reminds me of a little yappy dog that just is always yelling and screaming and upset Um, but we all we all have that voice that tells us we're not good enough So tell me a little bit about that. Like, how do you help people with that concept?
1: So the first step is by recognizing this inner voice because a lot of people cannot hear it at the beginning because they are so used to it. And by stepping back always uh, one step backwards and becoming an observer, we can become aware of it. And when we are aware of it, that's the point where we can change it and so we can ask ourselves so on which situation does uh, these words remind me or how do they make me feel and uh, how uh, with uh, which situation can i associate it within my own personal biography okay so we will have a connection there and um, then we can activate this positive part, which is uh, telling us how, um, the opposite thing and uh, the, let's say, self-care part, which is then negotiating in the mind with the inner critic. Okay. That's and my recommendation would be then the next step um, to make this self care part much bigger, so that the inner critic has no place anymore.
0: Oh, so kind of squeezing them out, huh?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I I think that kind of it kind of melds with those um those limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves. Like there's things that we're not good at or we can't do or you know, like mine was, I'm not a good writer, like, or people like I've, I've had food problems before. It's like, oh, I'm I'm just a fat person. I can never get into shape. You know, like those limiting stories that we have is part of that. I think part of that inner critic
1: and it tears us down. Yes. And then in such a situation we can ask ourselves, but, um, uh have we really never written something good and searching for positive reference experiences and until we find a lot of them and we can say to ourselves, oh, that's not true what this inner critic is telling me. Yes. Yeah,
0: it's sorting out. We think it's factual when we have negative thoughts about ourselves. We think that our brain is telling us the truth when in reality it isn't
1: yeah and most of the thoughts or which is telling us or words are not even our own thoughts
0: yes yeah a lot of those stories come from what other people have said right yeah yeah my veterinarians have a really hard time letting go of clients that get angry over a situation you know like um There are times when we treat a pet and it doesn't go the way we hope that it will go and they have to come back and they're not doing any better. And then the client's angry because they spent money and they expect us to just be able to fix their pet like a car mechanic. And so we take all of that negative emotion in and then we believe it. We believe that what they're saying is true when we know deep down that, you know, bodies do what they want to do regardless sometimes and we can't always fix them. So I think that that's a really hard thing to sort
1: out from that inner critic is that we're not a good veterinarian
0: because one case didn't go well.
1: Yes, but uh when we are in such a situation and uh, we speak about uh, healthy boundaries and taking responsibility, so it's a matter of responsibility as well. So we can own and be responsible for our behavior for our feelings but we never can take the responsibility for another person yes. I love and it. to see that uh, 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 if we love a pet and we gave all we can so there is no place for judgment yes I love that
0: yeah, that, that is, that is a really good sentence to remember. There's no place for judgment. And, uh, Either side. Can,
1: yeah, for both sides. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So their anger is their anger. Your behaviors, your behavior,
1: your feelings are yours. Theirs are theirs. Yeah. That's that's the question is how are you responding to that anger?
0: Yes, because sometimes it brings out anger, right?
1: Yeah. Are we reacting out of a, a habit or a pattern or are we able to stop it and respond to the situation? Yes.
0: So if somebody's really in a highly charged emotional situation and they're feeling very defensive, how do you recommend they handle that in the moment? Because it's, it's easier to coach yourself when you're outside the situation, but when you're in it, sometimes it's really difficult. Like I I can feel myself getting really like tense and defensive when a client's angry at me. And I have to try really hard to like, tell myself, look, just be calm, take breaths. They're just, you know, they're emotional because they're sad about whatever's going on with their pet. It's not you. Like I kind of have to talk to myself in my head, but how do you recommend people do that in the moment when there's something emotionally
1: mm-hmm. charged? Just just, just to be aware of the emotions we feel and um, to step one step backwards and then we can also respond and communicate our feelings we are feeling because the other person does not know how we are feeling. Mm. So they can pick it up and understand that it's not easy for us as well. And um, they can have then also a path of understanding for us as well
0: so it's okay to kind of join into that emotion a little bit like if they're really sad it's okay for us to express our sadness as well so it's if if really we are kind of sad
1: in, this if we are sad in this situation then yes why not so we are human beings yeah and i
0: think that Seeing it that way is helpful from the standpoint of if you can be vulnerable like that with others, that you're going to probably diffuse some of that, that anger in some way, if they see that you're also, you know, not happy with the situation or feeling what they're feeling
1: on some level. Yes, because you are not reacting to to their emotions, but you step backwards, you become aware of what emotion is within you. And you can communicate it so that they can understand it, it will be a totally different communication level. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and it takes practice, I think, don't you?
1: Everything takes practice.
0: (laughs) I know, sad, but true, right? It's like, you think you're gonna get good (laughs) at something, but then you find out every day that you can get better. I love that. So tell me a little bit about um, I, I know this inner critic is kind of related to imposter syndrome. And I, how do you feel about those words? Because we talk about a lot about that in vet med is that we feel like imposters when we're doing our, our work.
1: Yes, is to empower ourselves and to, to remember all the good situations we already did and we did a great job. Even when we were babies, uh, we communicated our needs so they were understood and we got love back from, from uh, parents or persons nearby us. When we were uh, uh, learning whatever it was in our life, either writing, reading, so it was quite a hard job to learn and now we are doing it uh, automatically. or. Our first steps we did were very harsh for ourselves. How much, uh, how often did we fall down and we stood up and we took the next steps? And um, today everyone can go automatically without even thinking. And that the processes we think they are normal, but it was a huge um, accomplishment for in that past days for us.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes have um, people go back and just make a list of, you know, not only why they wanted to be a veterinarian, if I'm talking to vets, which I mostly do, it's why did you want to do this in the first place? You know, we didn't think it would be terrible. We didn't think it would be hard. We, We had this like passion for the profession that we have a tendency to forget. And if we can go back and feel that again, I think it's kind of a, a step towards being maybe just having the tools to work towards what, where we need to go.
1: But that's also a great resource, uh, especially when you are dealing with a um, hard client, let's say, to bring that uh, awareness back, this this passion, this love uh, you have for the, the things you're doing and um, to recall your mission
0: mm, yeah like your purpose or your mission in life and in your career mm. yeah because even even on the hard days you're still doing what you would love to do I'm sure you have hard days with your clients trying to help them get a hold of their mindset and work on themselves and their difficulties but that's why you do it right
1: Yes, because I know when uh, we can go through the process together, the results are trendemious and um, that's worth sitting by and uh, going through it. Yeah, it
0: absolutely is. So tell me a little bit about the hypnosis piece. Like what what does that do for people? Who do you recommend gets that kind of therapy? Is it good for everyone is it only good for certain things tell me a little bit about that
1: so it's a uh, phenomenal for things uh, for people who uh, cannot relax or um, who are just uh, tired or overwhelmed and want just quick to to go into a deep relaxation state so it's very easy and uh very useful sometimes to go down it's uh also good if we want to work on limiting beliefs uh in hypnosis to become aware and to deepen it um is um so um from a hypnosis standpoint of view it uh functions for everyone but uh I believe that if someone um has some ideas or limiting beliefs around hypnosis, that they might limit themselves of trying it out. Yeah,
0: it, it, to me, I've never, I've never been hypnotized, but it sounds like kind of scary. Like, I think it sounds like you're going to lose control and that something bad could happen. So explain to me why you shouldn't be afraid to get hypnosis from somebody that knows what they're doing. I'm sure you don't want just anyone hypnotizing you.
1: (laughs) Because hypnosis is a natural state of being. Mm. We are naturally in a hypnotic state on a daily basis, but Mm -hmm. we don't recognize it. And um, by going into hypnosis with a therapist or coach, it's just that someone is helping us going in uh into that state of mind uh by will and not um that it's happening naturally because it does
0: that's fascinating now is this something that you can do with people like over the internet kind of like we're on zoom right now talking could you hypnotize someone like me remotely or would you have to be in the same room
1: um, so I practice it in the same room, but I believe that it uh, goes uh, via Zoom as well. Okay, like like uh, yeah. coachings. If we uh, go back uh, three four years ago, there was were little coachings via Zoom or online, right, right. and now we saw that it is it's going the same way when and it runs even if both. Partners are sitting at their home places.
0: Right. Well, what's fascinating to me is that you're in Austria and I'm here in the United States, and it's just such a long distance, but we can talk like we're in the same room, which is really fun. Yeah. That's why I love doing this because I meet so many interesting people. So when someone's in hypnosis, this is fascinating to me. So I'm going to ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. When you hypnotize someone, with their will, like if they're not willing, can you do it? Or do they have to be willing? Like, can somebody fight you? If if I came into you and say, I want to be hip, I want a hypnosis. And, but my brain really doesn't want it. Will my, will I be able to resist, I guess, is my question.
1: Uh, yes. So you have to be willing to do that. And the second part is, um, we will find out where this resistance ca- comes from mm-hmm. and work on this and um first
0: and then when someone is hypnotized is it are they conscious of what it is that they find out like or do you have to kind of wake them up and say this is what i learned like are they aware of what's going on
1: some people are and some are not Okay. That's so fascinating.
0: Yeah. And can you change people's behavior? Can you like make suggestions like they always tell people to act like a chicken or whatever, when you see the, the TV hypnosis? So,
1: yes, that's, that's a show hypnosis. Right. And <laughs> we are not, that's doing not real. That.
0: <laughs> You're not going to make us act like a chicken or something. That is so fascinating. So how how many of your clients do you end up using the techniques of hypnosis versus your other coaching techniques?
1: So it goes hand in hand. And oftentimes we use just hypnotic patterns, which help them. So we don't need a a whole hypnotic session. And it's just where where a person is. So not everyone needs deep relaxation, for example. Right.
0: And how is hypnosis similar or different to meditation? Cause I've, I've done guided meditation and it feels almost feels like you kind of go into a state where you're not really aware of what's going on around you. You can hear the voice of the, the person that's guiding you, but you really kind of go into that super relaxation. And I, I imagine I've not been hypnotized, but I imagine that maybe what it feels like is there, is it totally different or is it similar in some way?
1: I will say it's similar. The only difference is um, that uh, in guided hypno- uh meditations, you have no induction and uh, you are not called back as we do, right. but um, it's very similar.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I'd love to see you hypnotize somebody just just out of curiosity, just because I, I don't have a, a very deep understanding of it.
1: So my understanding is that um, uh, we have a subconscious mind and a conscious mind, and this unconscious mind is uh, just much, much bigger than the conscious mind, and mm-hmm. it cannot forget anything. And if we can release it within this mind, so our behavior in the conscious mind will change automatically.
0: Okay. So if somebody's very has some very deep-seated things that they can't get out or work on it's a good way to dig those out yes so then you can work
1: on them Mm -hmm. yeah and to bring a by hypnotic patterns to bring the unaware parts into awareness so we speak from blind spots which everyone has are things we cannot see by ourselves until it becomes aware to us when we have a look on it, and um, that's also um, great. Tied to um, the work with limiting beliefs, um, to to find them out is not always easy for everyone. Yes.
0: Yeah, Because well, we see it worse, how right? we are
1: used to see on it, but uh, forget that there are several viewpoints onto a situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or let's yeah. say um, when we ask... Um, let's say a couple of people who were at the same time at the same event and asked how it was. So have you ever experienced that you heard a different story from each of them?
0: Yeah, frequently that happens a lot at work, like six (laughs) people hear something and they all describe it a little differently.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But but the reason is we have all our belief system, our filters, so which uh, were made when we were uh, younger and uh, that's how we see the world is uh, how we are programmed let's say that way yeah and
0: then does that go back to getting to know your program like getting to know yourself because we earlier talked about that you know you kind of get to know yourself before you can work on yourself that's kind of all part of that it's like am I a pessimist am I an optimist
1: am I you know but know. are you in every situation uh, optimist or pessimist um some I, people yeah tend to difference. have yeah
0: hmm yeah and just yeah, overall i'm very optimistic um but some of the limiting beliefs
1: make you a pessimist right but we can uh, see them uh, to figure them out let's say and then to have a greater look Okay, I think
0: I think you're breaking up just a little bit. So hang on a second. Okay, now I can see you. Can you say that same sentence again for me? Cause you've rose up a okay. little. Uh,
1: okay. Can I you can. hear me?
0: Now I can. Yes. Okay, say it again. I'll cut out so, if we need to.
1: <laughs> and uh we figured out the situations where we act positive and where we are not acting as positive. And uh, then we can have a look on where's the difference uh, between mm-hmm. this one and the other. Uh, how were we feeling in this one and the other and to figure out the difference, which makes the difference?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I see that because I I really do think I'm an optimist, but there are certain things, like the right like my limiting beliefs make me pessimistic about certain things. I guess. My next question would be, since we have all this subconscious stuff and we have this, you know, I, I call it the Chihuahua brain, the the stuff that's buried really deep, deeply. And if we feel very stuck in that, what would you tell someone to do? Like, what would be a good very first step? I mean, I would say to get help, I imagine, but if you're so buried that you just feel afraid to talk to anyone about it is there something you can do right now something you can recommend that they do to try to start to open up to the possibilities of feeling better
1: Mm -hmm. Um, first of all uh, oftentimes such emotions are um, stuck in in a body part and it will be helpful to go out and to practice uh, with the body or to shake these emotions out of the body Mm -hmm. and to try whichever movement is helping us to get it out of the body. So we can then breathe and then we can decide, okay, it's enough. So how do I want to feel right now? Okay.
0: So just, just starting with maybe some fresh air and some deep breaths and slow breathing and controlled breathing. You know, we do the the square breathing where you come in for four and hold it. So mm. that is is a good first start.
1: Or and also awareness. To... Is there a body part where we can feel it, the sensations and to observe just the sensations? How is it going? Is it moving? Is it pulsating? Is it hot? Is it cold? Yes.
0: Yeah, so describing the emotion or describing the feeling, I would say Des- more than anything, because it's a feeling in your body oftentimes.
1: Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. With the underlying emotion. With the underlying emotion. And it also, if someone is not able to figure it out at once, it it's uh, also something which uh, becomes easier with practice. If we have a look uh, on... on these sensations, uh, let's say on a regular basis, we can figure them out much easier when we need it as if we are not practiced in it.
0: Mm. So practicing before and something that's not so scary
1: and hard. Mm. Yeah. Or just just to have a look into the body, how, how am I going in my body today?
0: Yeah. So like a daily practice you're talking. Mm-hmm. Is describing how you're feeling each day, and starting there.
1: And what I also recommend is uh, writing a diary, a short where we note, uh, write notes, because we uh, tend to forget such little things such quick that um, it and it's very useful when we look back uh, and see how we improved through weeks, months, a year. That's a really good suggestion.
0: I do. I tell people a lot of times to get their thoughts out and write them down and their feelings and write down the stories like just to kind of get it out of your brain so you can look at it and instead of it being all bottled up in there. But I like the diary idea because sometimes when I tell people to just write everything, it's so overwhelming, they can't even start you know they just they don't know where to start so if you just wrote one thing every day or a couple of things every day it probably would unlock your brain yeah.
1: on and to to resolve this overwhelm is uh, to look at one thing at a time and when we are comfortable with that to take another uh in addition and so we can change uh step by step and without overwhelm because uh, and this overwhelm and we think we have to be five six steps ahead and we are not uh, in the present moment anymore yeah. and that's also a nice thing to to practice being in the present moment
0: how do you recommend
1: someone do that
0: like like if you want to be i try on these podcasts to be totally present with you but because i'm easily distracted sometimes i'm like trying to think of the next question or you know I just I get a little bit distracted. So I really have to concentrate to stay in the
1: moment. How do you recommend people stay in the moment? So let's say we can feel uh, how we are sitting or how our feet are facing to the ground or um, how uh, our back is uh, maybe feeling and and being within our body.
0: Yeah, just taking kind of like taking an inventory of how I'm where am I at? Am I paying attention? How am I feeling?
1: And or if someone rhythm. is very uh, heavy in the uh, mind, so by noticing, oh, my thoughts run like crazy, then uh, to say to to oneself, yes, uh, it's good. I have noticed that, but do I want that? No. So I can bring the awareness back to where I want it by recognizing that I'm had already uh, several thoughts okay that's so she, also a thing which uh, people cannot recognize at, at uh, immediately because they are not used to it uh, people have a lot of thoughts and they are not aware of them and it's a process just becoming aware of them mm-hmm.
0: I, I used to know the number of the thoughts that we have every day i want to say think, do you remember the number
1: 60,000 or 600,000?
0: Yeah, yeah. It was something crazy, incredible, the number of thoughts that we have every day and um, that we're not really aware of.
1: And uh, I don't want anyone to get uh, scared about it because the little thoughts we have are not necessary. But if we become aware of the um, most impactful thoughts we have and we can change them, all the other are not necessary because uh, our brain can take in just 40 bit per second while our subconscious can take in 1 million and nearly 200 000 bit per second so we don't need to get overwhelmed with our <laughs> conscious mind it's it's, it's it. already within that uh, so It's handled. Uh, Some of it's handled. It's it's handled and we can trust it. It it does not forget anything. And um, just to become aware of the most impactful thoughts would be beautifully enough.
0: Yeah. And if you have something really difficult that you want to, let's say you have an issue, because we all think we have issues, right? Let's say it's, I don't know, I want to pick something that a lot of people think about is maybe their health, their physical health. I want to get healthier, I want to lose weight, I want to eat better, like whatever that is, and it feels very large. How would you recommend that they start on something like that? Like, is it best to find something very, very simple, which is what I usually try to like people to do is like, okay, let's just pick one thing that's going to work towards that goal. And let's work on that first. Like maybe it's an addiction to pop or it's an addiction, like I have a sweet tooth, so it's a candy thing. Is that kind of how you would approach a big thought issue or a big problem if, if we think we have a problem?
1: Yes, okay. I will compare it with a goal. So, and cool. break it down into little steps and then reaching by reaching the very first, going to the next. And so I would uh, recommend working uh, towards it.
0: Yeah, because smaller steps aren't as overwhelming are not right yeah that's
1: great well we should always feel look for that feeling of familiarity of security and then going further
0: oh okay so explain that to me when you say try to feel familiar or secure
1: yes to be comfortable with it and if it is and we can feel that comfortable uh, comfortable feeling or this family feeling we can go for the next uh, thing because yeah, if yeah. we are not paying attention to it we might get overwhelmed
0: okay and when you get overwhelmed that's when you have a hard time zoning in and and actually taking action right mm-hmm. for anything that overwhelm is a big way to get stuck So what else do you want to teach me that I haven't asked you so far? Are there other things that you can offer our audience to help them?
1: Practicing into being aware of what in a situation is, is already a very, very huge task where we can monitor our limiting beliefs, our behavior, our feelings, um, our thoughts, and uh, that's a huge arena.
0: Mm-hmm. And Being from this... aware of where you are, like where yes, you are mentally and emotionally.
1: Knowing where we want to go so we can set the next steps towards that goal and then going for it. Yeah. Seven so what if, if somebody
0: says they don't know? What if someone says, I don't know what I want. I don't know what to do. I'm lost. I'm, you know, because sometimes that happens, right? You're just like, I don't know
1: what's going on. Yes. Uh, I will ask them, but do know what you don't want.
0: Ah, okay. That's most,
1: uh, yes. sometimes people have a lot of things they don't want. And most likely the opposite will be what they want.
0: Ah, okay. So that's a good question to ask yourself too. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling stuck, it's okay. Can I start with what I don't want and back into what I do want? Yeah, that's brilliant. I love it so what did I not ask you that I should have before we get to the end of this podcast I want to I want to get all your good stuff out and I I don't know exactly what to ask about what you do all
1: of the questions I guess so there is a lot to uh, to to say and uh to learn and um um, but uh, I believe if a person can be aware of what is in a situation and monitors their limiting beliefs and uh, knows what they want and don't want and to recognize and witness the feelings they have um, and they take just some minutes a day ta- uh, ta- of time to, to work on one part of it, we will improve uh, with time yeah
0: so just a little bit of time each day to work on yourself
1: that's genius.
0: Yeah. I think I think if we all learned that when we were twenty, we would be
1: such more stable human beings, yes, and there are sometimes uh, things we don't want to have a look on it because it does not feel very good, but maybe <laughs> we should maybe we should uh, uh, Take a, a much greater look on it if we recognize that here is something hidden.
0: Yes, absolutely. If it feels yucky, it probably needs work, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's
0: genius. So tell the listeners if they want to learn more about what you do, if they want to, you know, be coached by you, if they want to learn about the neuro-linguistic programming, Um and how you know how that helps them with these thoughts and, and their goals and behaviors. How could they get more information on that from you or contact
1: you? So thank you for asking. Um everyone who wants to learn more uh, can contact me on my email address which which will be andrealukach.coaching at gmail dot com. Okay. And and, I'll put that in the notes. Um, and I want to offer to everyone who listened till the end and uh, of uh, our episode a, prize. <laughs> a, a little gift, uh, which will be a 20-minute coaching. And uh, the link to it will be on the show notes below.
0: Okay. Yeah. Andrea is going to um, get me that information. So if you want to have a 20-minute coaching, I don't know if she'll hypnotize you, but Maybe she will, <laughs> I don't know. but I think that would be a fabulous thing. Cause I think what you're offering is, is powerful. Yeah. And you have a very calming way of being. So I think it, it would probably be very easy to be hypnotized by you. Let's
1: try it out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, I, I'm gonna have to get brave though, because I know it scared me a little bit. I'm afraid what might be in there that I don't know about. That's amazing. Okay, anything else you wanna say before we wrap up? This has been so fun and so pleasant. You're just a like a shining star and, and I really enjoy listening to you and I love accents too. So your accent is fun for me to listen to. I'm sure I, fi- I sound to you like I have an accent.
1: So if, if uh, someone who's listening or you can pick up just one thing and turn it into practice, you can change your life.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's, that is that is the goal, right? One little thing every day. Just learn one thing and work on one thing. Well, it's been so pleasant to have you. I really appreciate it. I know we had a couple of little internet bugs, but I'll try to fix those and make sure they're not too disruptive. For the podcast, but I really thank you for being here. This is Andrea Lukic. Lukic. Got it. And thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it.
1: Yes, thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure on my side as well. Check
0: her out and let me know if you have any questions. Have a beautiful week, and we'll talk again next week. Bye, everybody. Bye,
1: Andrea. Bye.